welcome to the Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word, rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. Discipleship Consciousness. Part 1. State of the Church. Paul says, I marvel that you turn away so greatly from the gospel. To another gospel, which is not another. So when you're turning away to another gospel, it's not another gospel at the end of the day. So you switch messages or you're, or you're preaching a message but with a convenient mixture. You know, the things that would not affect the finances. You know, the offerings that will ensure that the money is trickling in. So there's convenient mixtures. And I notice that the only exception is in countries or societal climes where there's a structure that works. I said part one, state of the church. 1 Corinthians 15.10 But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. He says, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet, not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Let me explain to you what manipulation is. I will tower above you, inferiorizing you, and elevating myself. That's the 101 of church that's built around a cult personality. I will teach only enough for you to realize that you need to depend on me for revelation. I will never show you the way. I will never put a net in your hand. I will just be giving you small, small fish. Give me just enough fish for you to come tomorrow when I call a meeting. Then I will lord it over you so that you cannot do without me. You will not grow. You will not know what I know. I will make sure of it so that I can paparize you. I would hide my sources from you. I would hide the words, the meanings of the words. I would, I would not expose you to stuff that would bring you to the level of what I know. Because when I do that, I cannot paparize you. When I do that, I can't manipulate you. I can't have influence over you. So I would make sure you don't know what I know. So I can be your papa. Your eyes will not be open. I will ensure I keep the fullness of God's counsel away from you. Because it will liberate you. And it will cause you to stand. And that will not profit me. I will go on and twist scriptures to justify profitable practices to the measure that they are financially lucrative. I will close you off to other voices of truth to ensure that you never grasp what is truly out there. And is this what I've read to you? Is that the model of the New Testament church? So now let's look at God's idea of church and how important discipleship is in that idea. Discipleship and the local church. The local church is God's idea. Can we say that together? One to go. Yes, God's idea. God is not anything for Himself. You know, when we say these things, they're very provocative. Until you look at the scriptures. How is Jesus' head in a vacuum? It's only in a cartoon that you can see a head. By itself. 
trying to function. You know, like Tom and Jerry, Tom's head can come out and then after he will not carry the head, put it back, you know. Jesus is not the head in a vacuum. Colossians 1.18 And he is the head of what? The church. He's the head of the body. So he's not head in a vacuum. Are you here? Ephesians 5.23 The husband is the head of the wife. Paul says, as Christ, Ephesians 5.23, is the head of the church and the savior of his body. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. So the church is his body. That's why he's the head. The church is also referred to as the house of God. The oikos, the dwelling place of God. 1 Timothy 4, 1 Timothy 3 and 15. But if I am delayed, he tells Timothy. Timothy will come to Timothy in a bit. Timothy, 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 Timothy. If I'm delayed, I write to you so that you might know how you ought to conduct yourself in the what? In the, in the what? Which is the what? And he goes on to say the pillar and ground of truth. But how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. The church of the living God. The church is his body. The church is his idea. The church is his house. And in that house, there is an order of conduct. Are you here now? Because it is the house of God and every house has an expected conduct. Every house has an expected conduct. The church is not an abstract. It's not some floating idea that is open to all kinds of interpretations. The church is well defined. The church is well defined. The church is also not virtual. If you go back to church consciousness and listen to it again, I warned you in church consciousness about it. If you paid attention to that, descending the Lord's body, for everything the Lord takes us through, He sent a word ahead. The church is not virtual. You can say, I'm part of the body of Christ, and you are not identified with a local church. It's not an abstract, it's well defined. 1 Corinthians 16 and 1. 1 Corinthians 16 and 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, monies basically, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, Paul gave orders. In fact, he tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, he said these things command and instruct. Put back up, 1 Corinthians 16 and 1. <laughs> I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must also do, you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as it may prosper, that there will be no collections when I come. You see order? Colossians 4.16. Colossians 4.16. The church is a thing. So Paul tells them, now when this epistle is read among you, See that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans. So it's not some virtual thing. When this letter is read to you, Colossian church, see that the same letter is read to the Laodicean church. 
a people meeting in a place, in a geographic location. The church is gathered, therefore, as the church. 1 Corinthians 5 and 4. I like this one. The church gathers as the church. In the, when you gather, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are what? Gathered or assembled together. So the church gathers together. Don't believe the lie. Are you listening to me now? Don't believe the lie. Careful that you're not following somebody who is attacking what is attacking because he was offended by it. Careful that you're not following somebody who is attacking what he's attacking because he was offended by it. Such person is a compromised leader. Church upset you, you start attacking church. You are compromised. Pastor upset you, you start attacking pastor. You are compromised. Because nobody who skillfully handles the word of righteousness can champion successfully the existence of a believer apart from the church. I repeat, nobody who handles the word of God skillfully, handles the word of righteousness skillfully, can justify the existence of a believer because you were saved into the church. And the church is not virtual. It's not you and somebody in Australia meeting on a closed Facebook group or gathering around a Facebook post. Sir, it is not the church. Your only port of call is to follow a live stream. You are not in the church. The technology doesn't define church. The church gathers. And he thought of the next 10,000 years when he wrote that we should gather. He thought of holograms and 5G and 10G and internet at the speed of light. He saw all that. It's from him all those things are coming. And he said, gather. He tells him in Romans, for this reason I longed to come to you. That I might impart to you some spiritual gift that my letter to you now cannot give you. So he was writing to them, giving them doctrine, but admitted there was an impartation he could not give them because he was not physically present with them. So there was a limitation in the letter. For this reason, I'm, I'm praying to come to you that I might impart to you some spiritual That is to say that we might be strengthened together by the mutuality of your faith and mine. So no, it's a lie, no matter how it is twisted. To submit that a believer can exist only him and God. There's no such thing. Intelligent people will try to spin it however they want. Let God be true. Let every man be a liar. First Corinthians 5.4, put it up. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit in the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the churches gather in the power of the Lord Jesus. Every time they gather, the power of the Lord Jesus is present. 
And by spirit there, Paul will be referring to consciousness of what he has laid down. Not teleporting. The spirit cannot be present where you are not. Right? So, so contextually, Paul will be referring to with the consciousness of who I am to you and what I've taught you. Does that make sense? See 11 and 17. 1 Corinthians 11 17. 1 Corinthians 11 17. We dealt with this, this whole chapter in church consciousness. Now, when giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together. So, you see that? Come together. Unfortunately, in this case, their coming together was not helping. It was for the worse. Right? See 14 and 26, another scripture that we come across all the time in what abiding house. First Corinthians 14 and 26. How is it then, brethren? Whenever you come together, each of you has. So the church consists of a constant coming together. Are you here? Hebrews 10, 25. Another one that we know a lot. Forsaking not. The assembling, assembling of ourselves how? Together. Again, has a sad note to it, as is the manner of some. Let's see how the TPT puts this. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together more, even more frequently. Eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day. Don't I day for church? We never begin stay church. Not forsaking the gathering together. So we gather together in the power of Jesus. The church has well-defined leadership. The church has well-defined leadership. First Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. Uh, okay. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. 13. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. 1 Timothy 5, 17. Just day in the backdrop. 1 Timothy 5.17 Let the elders who rule well so not elders of the state they're not ruling a local government. Rule is better translated lead in this context. If you look at other translations. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double Honor. So there's elders who rule or lead in the local church. It has a well-defined leadership. I'm beginning to get into the meat of it. Titus 1 and 6. Titus 1 and 6. Uh, I, need, I think I need 5. 5. This is going into the bishops. For this reason I left you in Crete. That you should set in order the things that are lacking. And, which is to say, in this context, and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. 
Set in order the things that are lacking. What are the things that are lacking in Crete? Set all that order in every place. Appoint elders in every place. That was all was lacking. There was growth without ordership, or order, growth without leadership. Does that make sense? Growth without order, growth without leadership. So he sends Titus there, go to Crete, in all the different local churches, establish order there. It's lacking. How would you establish order there? Appoint elders or pastors or bishops in every place. You get it? Hebrews 13, 17. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they, this is very serious, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Watch out for your souls. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that will be unprofitable for you. TPT. I said if you pay attention, your life will literally not be able to remain the same. I meant it. Obey your spiritual leaders and recognize their authority, for they keep watch over your soul without resting since they will have to give an account to God for their work. So it will benefit you when you make their work a pleasure. And not a heavy burden. Are you following? So the church has well-defined leadership and this leadership was mirrored and foreshadowed in the Old Testament. It's a foolish thing for anyone to ever think that you've gotten to a point where you know enough of the word. Where nobody can teach you the word of God. The devil has more sense than you. God's word. You don't want to hear. Nobody can teach you anything. You are a son of God. That's one of the biggest delusions in church. People elevate their perceived sonship. Above the sovereignty of God. We have established irrefutably. That Christ is the central theme. Of the scriptures. Hmm? Central. Holy message. Genesis to Revelation. Christ. The message of the scriptures. Hmm? Mm-hmm. That is to say therefore. That every time you read through the scriptures. You see Christ. Or at least you should. See Christ. Uh, so while there's. While we, on the one hand, you're seeing Bible stories, and then on the other hand, you're seeing or you're managing to now be seeing Christ. I said, Do you realize that we have forgotten to draw the parallels when you see Christ? Because Christ's seen is not in a vacuum. When you see Christ show up in the stories of the Old Testament, it must be a complete picture. And every time Christ is highlighted, it's him and the church. But we have concentrated on just looking for Christ and not drawing the parallel. Ephesians 5.23, look at it again and see how Paul did it. Ephesians 5.23. Okay, it's fine. 
for the husband provides leadership for the wife just as Christ provides leadership for his church. Can you see that? C32. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and return to his wife and become our flesh. Marriage is the beautiful design of the, of the Almighty, a great and sacred mystery meant to be a vivid example of Christ. So when you find Christ in any narrative of scripture, just look around you. You see the church in the same example. So while we are fleshing out Christ, we must remember to not forget to locate the church in the equation. Only then is the picture of Christ you saw complete. It's not a head in a vacuum. So you look at the Old Testament examples of defined church and leadership. And you look at like Exodus 18, 13 to 27. Give me the NLT, I'll, I'll blaze through it. 13 through to 27. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you accomplishing here, really? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? Moses replied, please pay attention. Because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me and I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. This is not good, Moses. Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out. And the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Keep going. Now listen to me. This is Jethro telling Moses. Listen to me and let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. You should continue to be in the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how we to conduct their lives. But select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and tens according to their capability. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes. But have them bring the major cases to you. Are you seeing order? Israel was called in Acts 7, the church in the wilderness. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load. Making the task easier for you. Keep going. If you follow this advice and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures and all the people will go home in peace. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. He chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of 1,000, 150, and 10. These men were always available to solve the people's common disputes. They brought the major cases to Moses. But they took care of the smaller matters themselves. 27 and the last. Soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law who returned to his own land. God picks this. Now this came from Jethro. So before you think, well, he was a man suggesting this. Look at Numbers 11. And verse 16 through to 30. Stay in the NLT. Numbers 11, 16 to 30. Are you here? Yeah. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, gather before me. The Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses. This is Numbers now, long after Exodus. Gather before me 70 men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. I would say these 70 men came from his pool of people that he had appointed from Jethro's advice. Bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. I will come down and talk to you there. I will take some of the spirit that is upon you. And I will put the spirit upon them also. Why, why would God not give spirit directly to the 70? For leadership. Because in every church assignment, the grace for it rests upon one man. that one man that will cut soap. Because God could have, I mean it's God now. It's God. It's God. That's it. That's it. Spirit. That's all. But he says I will take some of what, what you are operating by is what I will give to them to operate by. Put the verse back up. Is anybody receiving instruction? I will take some of the spirit that is on you and I will put the spirit upon them also. They will bear the burden of the people along with you so you will not have to carry it alone. And say to the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow you will have meat to eat. You were whining and the Lord heard you when you cried, oh, for some meat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will have to eat it. And this meeting, you eat until it comes out of you. Because you won't just be for a day or two, or for five or ten or even twenty. You will eat it for a whole month until you gag and are sick of it. For you have rejected the Lord who is here among you and you have whined to him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? Oh, religion is better than this. Why did we leave Egypt? It was better. The light. Madness is a choice. It's not a condition. Why did we ever leave Egypt? Moses responded to the Lord, there are 600,000 foot soldiers here with me and yet you see I will give them meat for a whole month. Even if we butchered all our flocks and herds, would that satisfy them? Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that be enough? The Lord said to Moses, has my arm lost its power? Now you see whether or not my word comes true. 24. <laughs> Moses went out and reported the Lord's word to the people. <laughs> he gathered the 70 and stationed them around the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to Moses. 70 people were there in the tabernacle. God spoke to Moses. Then he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. Wait. I will take some of the spirit upon you and I will give them. But he gave them the same spirit. Same difference. Who got it? So, so what he took from Moses, he didn't take from Moses, but he referenced the oppression of God in Moses when he put it in the 70. Because it's not Moses' spirit. Is the spirit of God as operational in Moses? 
Are you following now? So they were not imparted with Moses. In other words, Moses was not the impartation they received. But they received the impartation of the Spirit in the same order as Moses. Does that make sense? So it's not that Christi received the spirit of Tega. Because God is not giving men the spirit of other men. Uh, no, because it will be a problem. For us to start implying that people are exchanging spirits. <laughs> when you don't even have a spirit in the first place. Except if it's a familiar one. <laughs> Because you're a believer with the spirit, the spirit in you, the spirit of God. So you must rightly divide the word of truth. So it's not different spirits, it's the same spirit in a specific mode of operation. Are you following me now? Same mode of operation. So we cannot be 71 and 8 are charismatic, 62 are evangelical. Or the 62, 45 of them believe in speaking in tongues. Another 16 of them don't believe in speaking in tongues. No, they're different spirits. It's a strange spirit upon them. And the Lord foreshadowed this already in the Old Testament. How does religion checkmate it? How does manipulation checkmate it? Why would you always say my pastor? Because that is the example we were given. Mm -hmm. My instructor. Yeah. When you are quoting what you learned in school, do you not say my professor Ted? Why has nobody beaten you for quoting your professor in school? When you were learning sewing, do you not say my madam said? I should not put it like this. That is not how my madam said. When it comes to the word of life, the Luciferian Antichrist spirit rises up and says, why would you say your pastor said? That devil is a liar. Oh, you are worshipping him as you are to your professor. As you are your school teacher, as you are to your boss, as you are to your father. Every time when you can't hear a word. My pastor is the one that taught me. And you start to be diplomatic. You say, hey, let me not sound like bath too much. Hey, today's message is for you. Same spirit. Same. same. You can't admit that you are being taught. You can't admit your learning. You can't admit your growing. But it's obvious you don't know anything. Because if you're as good as you know, why are you here? If you're too good for us, why are you managing us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you here today? He gave the 70 elders. He gave, he gave. Not necessarily that he took from Moses. He gave the 70 elders the same spirit. Go on. That was upon Moses. And when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. But this never happened again. It was more like an endorsement of the fact that you have received the spirit. But you see the prophetic direction is still Moses. Before all 70 of you will get up 
I say we have received spirit too now. It's not the same spirit you receive that we receive. No, thus also saith the Lord. Confusion in the church. Chaos in the church. Because all of a sudden now, everybody can prophesy. They received the same spirit. It was validated by prophecy and it ceased. So yes, what Moses could do, you can now do, but no further. Prophetic direction, Moses is in charge. Could they prophesy always? Yes. But God damned it. So now we have the spirit of God in full measure. And everybody now can prophesy. God is not stopping it. But 1 Corinthians 14 brings back order. <laughs> Go back to that scripture, Numbers 11. Let's finish. I'm trying to show you how there's foreshadowing in the Old Testament. Two men, look at this. Eldad and Medad had stayed behind in the camp. The others were in the tabernacle. They were listed among the elders, but they had not gone out to the tabernacle. Yet, the speech rested upon them as well. So they prophesied there in the camp. So let's say 68 were gathered by the tabernacle. These two by some thing. Maybe they were Levites on duty or something was going on. They couldn't make it to the tabernacle. They were in the camp. But because they were listed, they were regarded, they were recognized as part of the same company, the same spirit, defied geographical location, located them and rested upon them. So you are not presently in the camp. That's not enough for you to disengage. You are in the local church. You are not in Calabar right now. That's not enough for you to defend. The same spirit should be upon you. And if we prophesy here, you prophesy there. Take your seats. Put the scripture back on. Eldad and Medad. They prophesied there in the camp. 2027. 20, 27. And a young man ran and reported to Moses. Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, zealous guy, son of none, who had been Moses' assistant since his youth, protested. Moses, my master, make them stop. Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets. <laughs> and the Lord will put his spirit upon them all. Which is what eventually came to pass. <laughs> Verse 30, and I'll move on. Moses returned to the camp with the elders of Israel, now in possession of spirit, after the order of Moses, the church in the wilderness. So now here's Jesus sending out his disciples. Ay, ay, ay. Matthew 10, 40. See what Jesus is saying now when he's sending out his disciples. This Jesus, not Moses. Who? Jesus, not Moses. He, Jesus tells his disciples, anyone who receives you, anyone who receives you, disciples, receives me. Just as anyone who receives me, receives the Father who sent me. To receive God is to receive Jesus. To receive Jesus is to receive who Jesus sent. Your receiving of Jesus is fake if you despise who Jesus sent. Yeah. 
just as your receiving of God is a lie if you despise Jesus. Of course, except if you don't believe the person was sent to you, in which case, get out. No managers, leave us. Luke 10, 16. Still Jesus speaking. Is it in your Bible? <laughs> then he said to his disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. Anyone who accepts your message, your message, is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me John 13, 20. It wasn't once he said it. John 13, 20. I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me. And anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. The church is his body. I said in church consciousness, only rebellious people live alone. Psalm 68, verse 6. Only rebellious people live alone. You don't believe in the body. I said only a fool burns down his house with his family members inside because he fell down inside the house. So yesterday I, I caught myself very deep, very deep cut. And I was bleeding profusely. And now vex. Just bring badgering ram. Destroy the house with anybody. Like, How can the house hurt me? What kind of stupid house is that? How can I me as I am like this with all I've done in this house? The house now caught me. As I, I labored inside. Caught me, I'm bleeding. You burn down the house with everybody inside. You don't care because you are hurt. Stupid. Satan is better than you. He's still running his kingdom until his last day. He knows his end. He's still running his kingdom. Still running his business. Running it faithfully. And he knows here. And the business will, will be destroyed. You get up. You say you have spirit. You're a witch. You destroy the house. Bonnie, destroy it. I'm bleeding. Not today. No temptation has befallen you. That is not common to man. You're hurting. Join the queue. Somebody offended you. Join the queue. Deal with it. Only rebellious people live alone. You destroyed it. You are still bleeding. You have expended the small energy you have used to heal. To destroy See, you are doing the Lord's work. Your father's business. You know how there were many fathers. Jesus said, you are of your father. Psalm 68 and 6. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. But he makes the rebellious live in his son's scorched land. Luke in James says, he sets the solitary in families. Brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. The church cannot be divided if we are his body. Yes, 
There's no place that gives us any reason to destroy the body. There's nothing that gives you the permission to run amok in the church of Jesus Christ. Bitterness is too small. Your disappointment is too small. Especially when those disappointments are based on warped, unrealistic, satanic expectations. 1 Corinthians 1.10 Must contend earnestly for the faith. We must. The generation must, must rise up to contend for the faith and give it to the next generation. We can't give them this nonsense. 1 Corinthians 1.10 Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment that's why we're at the church james 4 1 james asks where do wars and fights come from among you do you understand the perplexing nature of the question Put it back up. Where do wars and fights come from among you? And then he answers, Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that walk in your members? TPT. What is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill the message where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from do you think they just happen think again they come about because you want your own way and fight for it Philippians 2 1-4 you mean the NLT carnality is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ any, any comfort from his love any fellowship together in the spirit are your hearts tender and compassionate then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another and working together with one mind and, and purpose don't be selfish don't try to impress others be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves don't look out for only your own interests or take an interest in others too because divisions and strife and envy are manifestations of carnality. And it shouldn't be heard among us if we have been the flesh has been crucified. Galatians 5:24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Say with me, because I belong to Christ. I have nailed the passions. And the desires of my sinful nature to the cross of Christ and I have crucified them there. That's our reality. Next verse. That's our reality. I, I need it there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Envy and, I wrote here, envy and strife destroys kingdoms if left unchecked. Envy and strife destroy kingdoms if left unchecked. James 3.16. James 3.16. 
forever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, <laughs> there you will find disorder and every evil of every kind. Evil of every kind. Wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, TPT, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Hey, 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 go back. I saw. Be, whoosh. Because where jealousy and selfishness day, wahala and bad things, where people they do, they day too. Big translation, sorry, pigeon. <laughs> so wherever jealousy and selfishness are uncovered you will also find many troubles and every kind of meanness you see it, it, it turns out it doesn't really matter what happened to you it matters the kind of ground it fell on the kind of ground what happened to you fell on is what matters but as for happenings life will happen to you I've been trying to establish to you that there's been a foreshadowing of the church and leadership in the Old Testament. Romans 15 and 4. It's scripture I keep showing you guys when I want to take you on a journey to the Old Testament. Remember our last, my last teaching with you was a journey by faith. Abel. Romans 15 4. Why? Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to do what? To teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Remember I did a forensic exegesis of this scripture in By Faith Abel? Yeah? In Luke and James? Okay, 1 Corinthians 10 and 6. These things happened as a warning to us so that we will not crave evil things as they did. Go to verse 11. Talking about the children of Israel. Said so these things happened to them as examples for us. Hello. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Verse 12. Verse 12. <laughs> if you think you are standing, go back to New King James. I need, I need New King James. Go back to verse 11. Go back to verse 1. I just read through so you can understand when you get to verse 12, it will make sense contextually. Verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, right? I've showed you this before. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock. 5. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after the evil things as they also lusted. You following it? Do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it's written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Now let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted. And we're destroyed by serpents. Numbers 11, 13 rather. Now complain as, as some of them also complain that we're destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. It's on the strength of all these things that it says, therefore, 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 let he who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Stay in verse 12. Give me the NLT. 
take heed lest he fall. You know the scripture very well. Contextually, if you, are, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. TPT. So beware if you think it could never happen to you. Now go back to New King James. Go back to New King James. Therefore, let he who thinks he stands take heed. What is take heed? Pay attention. To what? These things. Does that make sense? Pay attention to these things. So it doesn't happen to you. On the strength of all of this, let's look at the case study as we delve further into discipleship consciousness. And let's look at the Absalom case study. The Absalom case study. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at while the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus two three four seven zero triple eight one double eight six four. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.